for those who are maybe uh, giving out of fear, Lord, maybe the first time, we pray that, that, uh, that they will be able to do so, Lord. Lord, we want everything that you have to give us. We, want, we don't want to get ripped off, Father. These finances are yours. And, Lord, we, we just want to be able to, um, to get control over our finances, Lord, and not let our finances control us. Father, so we pray, Lord, as we're giving, a, you know, taking a leap of faith, maybe even today for the first time for those that are, that this is a, this is a long month, Lord, and um, maybe giving is, is a little scary because there's still a couple of weeks left. And, uh, but Lord, we, your word says if we give and we give faithfully, Lord, you will, you will be there and all good things come from above, Lord. And Lord, we, uh, we want everything that you have to offer, Lord. And we give you our fear and our concerns and our, and our worries, Lord. And we ask for you, Lord, just to bless it. We ask for the floodgates of heaven to open up, Lord. And we pray, Lord, just, um, just the blessing, Lord, even in finances over this body today. Lord, we thank you for everything that you're doing, Lord, and everything that you're about to do in the future. And Lord, we pray as we give these monies to you, Lord, that you will multiply it and you will use it for whatever needs to, it needs to be used for in your kingdom, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So as you're doing that and we're making a transition, I just wanted to take a minute and uh, talk about something that not everybody knows that we maybe do at Hillside, but we are in a, a partnership with the county uh, and we have a home. In fact, we have two homes. We have a mini home and a big home. Um, here in town where we try to help men uh, really make a transition and get back on their feet. Uh, we work with the, the court system in doing this, and they now have asked if we would begin a new home. So I just want to throw this out here because we are getting really desperate. Um, we are looking for a house rental. We need to rent another home here in Hollister. It is very hard to find rentals. I hear, and, and it's even hard to find rentals that are open to what we're doing. So if you could be praying for us about that, and if you know anybody in Hollister that has a rental that's either a two-bedroom or a three-bedroom rental, uh, would you please let us know? Because we're trying to get something by September 1st. It's important, and we really know that this is a part of the call of God on this church to help people. And so we hope that uh, something will open up. But be praying for us about that. Thanks. I'll be in the back with the baseball tickets, and we have some extras. Hi, Hillside. You know, because of what's going on in our society and what's going on all around, you know, we can come to church and we can uh, praise and worship God and we can leave here not feeling anything. When our soul feels something, especially in the realms of God, we feel really good. But don't let feelings or lack of feelings affect what God wants to do in filling you up and strengthening in your spirit. These are days where we must become strong in spirit. These are days where your soul is going to be under attack. Uh, Paul told Timothy, Endure hardness as a soldier of Jesus Christ. And where we get that strength, it's from the Holy Spirit living in us. It's our box. It's where the ark is. It's in our spirit. And, you know, we praised and worshiped today. Whether you felt good or not, 
it's irregardless. I was thinking of Jesus, and if you look at Luke um, 22, I gave it to you a while back. It's 22 verses 43 and 44. Jesus was going to the cross. He was in the garden, and in great agony, it says that an angel came and strengthened him in his spirit. And then the next verse says, being in great agony in mind, being great under the great uh, heaviness of what he was going to in God's will of going to the cross, he was feeling that pain in his soul. Just because you feel pain, just because you're in a situation, don't think that you're losing your spiritual strength. If you're calling on the Lord, if you're asking God to fill you with the Holy Spirit, God is strengthening you even though you're enduring hardness, even though you're facing difficulties, no matter what situation you're going through. As a Christian, God is the one who's strengthening you, and He's strengthening your character. It's in your spirit. I want to start on a new uh, kind of like a topic about raising our emotional health. Been talking again a lot about being strong in your spirit, building up your spiritual part, that spiritual man that uh, Paul refers to, strengthening yourself, strengthening yourself. You know, even as Regina reminded us of the persecution that's going on, I had a, a phone call with Don Phillips the other day, and he was talking about persecution is is not, has we have been very grace at, in America not facing the persecution that other countries are in, where if you're a Christian, you're in jail. You know, you open your mouth about Jesus, they don't want to hear it. We see it beginning to change in our country, and there is persecution. Don Phillips was reminding me there's persecution happening. It's starting in America. Don't let that uh, run you off. Don't go into hiding because you feel the pressures and you feel like, oh, wow, it's not, it's not, uh, uh, it's not good or it's not comfortable or it's not a, a sign of, uh, that you're a good person if you're a Christian now because it's, it's beginning to that, that oppression, that persecution started to happen. But this is the time for us to keep digging our heels in with God Keep praying, keep grabbing a hold of God, keep having an understanding of heart of what God wants you to do and, and what He wants you to be involved with so you can keep growing. I, we appreciate you're, you're here, that you're here. We appreciate that God is working in your life. Um, I want to review just a little bit Colossians 1, 16 and 17. It was in Him, talking about Jesus, that all things were created in heaven and on earth things that are seen and things that are unseen, whether thrones, dominions, rulers, or authorities. All things were created and exist through Him, Jesus, and by His service, His intervention, and in Him and for Him, Jesus, all these things that were created that we see. Our very life, our very personality, our nature was all created because of Jesus and for Jesus. Our purpose to live is about living for God, living for His purpose. Our greatest fulfillment is going to be in following Jesus and putting Him first. Verse 17 says, And He, Jesus Himself, existed before all things, and in Him all things consist, cohere, and are held together. Again, Jesus is the most important person. I want to throw something else out to you now. In my life as being a Christian, you go through seasons where you are, are, are serving God and sometimes you're not feeling a whole lot of things or you're not sensing a whole lot of things and you can kind of get into this mode where you're doing works, you're doing the right things, but there's like a disconnect or, or you feel numb in your spirit. We all go through these things. It's part of our human nature, who we, who we are in this fallen world. But um, God... He's the one that's working to really cause us to be connected with Him and with each other. 
And so if you're feeling like you're just kind of going through the motions, your prayers are just kind of like dead, talk to God about it. Say, God, again, do something in me. Do something in my emotions. Connect my emotions with what you're doing in my life. Growing spiritually is so connected with growing emotionally, growing in your soul, having your soul redeemed and restored. And, and the closer they're working together, the closer, closer that, that maturity is happening in our emotions, the greater experiences we have in God and the greater uh, just the confidence and the comfortableness we have about living our life in this world. But the major work that God's doing is the salvation of our soul. And, you know, when we get in that place where we're doing the right thing, you have to ask yourself sometimes, am I working to gain God's favor? And, and for me, in my personality temperament and knowing God from such an early age, I think I've gotten into a lot of things where I'm doing the right thing. And subtly, you know, anytime you're working, how many know the more you work, the more you expect something? I don't know if you ever get like this, but the more I'm doing everything I know God wants me to do, where I am walking in this frame of I know I'm in the will of God, the more my soul, my flesh, begins to have expectations. Why? Because it's so easy for me to shift into this place of works. And I go to work. When I worked at work, I got a paycheck. I expected. There was, um, what do you call it? There was entitlement that came. On Friday, when my check wasn't ready, I would get a little bit upset. What's going on? I worked last week. You hold one check back, and now it's Friday, and you say there's a mess up in payroll, and I'm not getting my check today? That can subtly slip into our mentality about serving God. In Romans 9.31, Paul wrote to the people of Israel, and he writes to all Christians. The people of Israel who tried so hard to get right with God by keeping the law through good works never succeeded. Why not? Because they were trying to get right with God by keeping the law instead of trusting in Him. And in this relationship with God, when we're doing all the right thing and our soul wants to get into this place where, okay, give me some payment, God. I want to see something. I want to use even what I feel like you owe me to give me more answers to my prayer or to give me this, these things that I want in my life. We have to remember we're not saved by our works or, or doing the simple things of following Christ. We are saved by what Jesus did. And how we live our life and how we serve God, that's just what we're called to do. This is very familiar to you. God is in control. And I know for me, this week, I was really feeling it. Excuse me, God, I don't like you being in control. I'm serving you. I'm doing everything you want to do. I want a little bit of control back. I want to feel like because I'm tracking with you that you trust me, so I want some control. It don't work like that. God told me that this week. Romans 9.20 Who are you, a mere human being, to argue with God? Should the thing that was created say to the one who created it, Why have you made me like this? Or God, why aren't you doing what I want you to do? And I, my soul has some communications with God like that this week. I went actually a few days, and then I, I was reading it in a devotional that I hardly ever read in, and it said the very thing, same thing to me. You don't have control, Bruce. I'm in control. He, he showed me three things in this little one-paragraph devotion. I thought, wow, you tell me to go read this book, and then you tell me you're not in control. <laughs> terrible. It's a terrible thing. Now, 
connected with what I'm just talking about, I felt like I was supposed to talk about ask. Ever heard that thing, you know, you, you know, you want something and, you know, someone says, why don't you ask for that? It doesn't hurt to ask, you know, why not ask? Matthew 7, 7, this is what the Lord wants you to hear today. Ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened unto you. Wow, it seems like a contradiction. Here I'm wanting control and everything and you're telling me to ask. It's all about attitude and submission to God and having respect, having a humility before God that he does want us to bring our request and he does want us to ask from him, but it's almost like the expectation and the control we want is what gets us in trouble and gets us off and it actually hinders our relationship with God. Here's the definition of ask from the strong uh, concordance. To request or petition. The word usually describes a humility sincere persons earnestly making request of someone in a higher position such as an individual asking something from God a subject someone under God from the word ask it refers to incessant asking without qualms not commanding God but solidly solidly presenting a requisition um, whose items he longs to distribute so it's saying God wants to give us what we ask for but he's looking for a, a, a humility and a dependence for us to come into the subservient place under God, realizing we can't control God. We can't even demand of God. And when you think of the scriptures in the Gospels where people got things for Jesus, I don't remember anyone coming and demanding something and getting something. People all came. They bowed. Some came crying. Some were desperate in brokenness, needing healing, some grieving. What, all, whatever their need was, they came in this place of, bowing at his feet some people were crying at his feet some people were were shedding tears and wiping wiping his feet with their hair there was all kinds of of places where they were expressing what they wanted they were asking something for jesus from jesus but it was in a great uh, place of humility humility before god this is the same verse matthew 7 7 but it's from the amplified jesus invites us to keep on asking and it will be given you Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking reverently, and the door will be opened. Again, reverence, reverence, have that reverence in our persistence in whatever we're asking God for. Again, sometimes God has put something on our heart. We know it's His will. We don't see it happening, but we keep bringing it before Him. There's just something that God invites us in this relationship us being on earth, us, him being in heaven, and then how him and the Holy Spirit works and gets things to us, it's by us asking. We have to keep opening our mouth and asking God. Paul also teaches us how to ask in Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything. Now, I don't know about you, but I feel anxiety regularly. And every time I feel anxiety, I have to say, okay, God, I'm feeling anxious. That means I'm not trusting. Here's my, my soul, my, my, my natural part, my human part. I'm, I'm anxious. I'm fearful. God, I want to bring this to you. But in everything, in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So again, with whatever we find ourselves in need, we are to come to God and ask Him. We are to present our needs to Him and le learn to drop them after you pray. Put it in His presence. Leave it in His hands. And it's this whole thing where God's teaching us how to trust. In Matthew 21, 22, 
again, Jesus tells us something again about prayer. And whenever things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. And to me, this shows that we're getting to a place of trust where there's an ability to ask for something and there's just something, it's such a connection with your heart and what God wants that you're able to pray it and you just know it's going to happen. Again, it doesn't hurt to ask. Why not ask? Okay, our next thing I want to talk about, becoming spiritually strong and emotionally mature. And, and how I started out with about that scripture in Colossians where everything was made and created by Jesus and everything was made for him. Jesus was all God and yet he was 100% human. And so a lot of times when we come to God, we're trying to separate ourselves from our old background, our old behavior, our old nature. And sometimes we, we try to get into this place where we're being super spiritual and we're denying our, ourselves, and it seems like we're holding the old man down and then all of a sudden something happened, the old man pops his head out. And it's that whole thing where we're not supposed to live separated or in denial, but we're supposed to deal with our real emotions and feelings in our everyday life. As we grow spiritually, God wants to deal with the things that are connected with our emotions, whether it's habits, things of the past, sins. God is going to be working to deliver and change us, to renew our mind and renew and help our feelings as we are real about them, as we talk to them about them. We, know we, did, we were talking about step four in our uh, men's group Friday night uh, about making an inventory. And sometimes, you know, when we're trying to be good and we're, we can also exert a lot of strength in our, in our spirit to, to push the old man down. But if it's something that's not really dealt with, if it's something we've not really surrendered to God, it's, it's part of our emotions, our feelings, something that's so deep, a lot of times all our effort to keep it down is not going to keep it down. And when we have negative feelings or things come up that are shameful, we want to separate ourselves from those things. Why? Because we have a new nature. We have righteousness in Christ, and it's hard to look at anything that's not ideal in, in, our, in our soul, in our mind, will, and emotions, and how we live our life. But we are more than just spiritual beings. In John 1.14, it says, The word Jesus became human and made his home among us. And we know Jesus had all kinds of emotions. We know he, he cried when his friend Lazarus died. We know he wept over our cities when he saw their unbelief and he saw their brokenness and he saw their separateness from God. We know he, he had joy when, when God came up and said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. He had joy that he was pleasing the Father. We know that he experienced the heaviness in his soul when he went to the cross. We know that, uh, that uh, Jesus got hungry. It said that he was hungry at times and he thirsted. It says he was tired. We find him in, in the Gospels that he's asleep in a boat. He's human. He's woken up out of a sound sleep, and he's a little bit, he's a little bit probably irritated. Why? Because he's needed rest. He's always praying through the night. He, sometimes he's going all night in prayer. He's finally sleeping, and the storm comes up, and his disciples are waking him. And he's saying, come on, why don't you use this faith that, that, that I've been nurturing in you? And so we know Jesus is all God, all empowered with the Holy Spirit, all anointed in who he was, and yet he was human. And I think this is going to help us as we keep growing to accept our humanness, to accept our weaknesses and, and rely on the Holy Spirit to keep working the changes in our life. Denying any aspect of what it means to be fully human, a, be, a fully human person made in the image of God carries with it catastrophic long-term consequences 
especially the tendency to separate emotional and spiritual health. Unhealthy developments are, inedi- are inevitable when we fail to understand ourselves as, a ho- as whole people made in the image of our creator, God. You know, some of the areas we deny in our soul, and th- some of these hit me pretty hard this week. Because, you know, you can, for, for me, getting involved with people and relationships and all responsibilities spiritually at church, I can deny my own needs and see that, really, I'm not taking care of myself like I need to. But some of the areas, physical, I don't have any time to exercise or eat better. I'm doing God's work. Social, don't worry about godly friendships. I'll wait till heaven. They'll all be fine there. Intellectual, I won't have to, all I have to do is have a heart for God. I don't have time to think. Emotional, when I let feelings in, I get confused and I don't get closer to God. Those are just a few of the things that we do to deny our humanness. You know, uh, we get guilty about things and we feel guilty and, and then we deny that that really God loves us and that we're in this relationship because our feelings and emotions are, are attacking us because we're measuring ourselves by the Word of God or by our own uh, spiritual uh, life as we perceive it. It's so important. That's why there's so many counselors. That's why Jerry is getting busier and busier because people are realizing they have things that need to be worked out and talked out. Things have to, have to be d- uh, changed in our soul because it's part of this growth. It's part of what Jesus is doing to restore the whole man. We were made in God's image in Genesis 5.1. When God created human beings, he made them to be like himself. I know sometimes we forget because, again, when those moments we had those highs where we're maybe even feeling God, a little prophetic thought, we're in the Word, and then we do something stupid or do some sin, we're thinking, oh, no, I'm at the bottom, I'm starting all over. No! No! God is working. When things happen, it's for us to see those areas and so we can surrender them to God to keep letting Him grow us and mature us in, in our emotions and in our, in our restoration process. I think of the Father. To me, I think the Father, it says that He is spirit. He's God is spirit. And John, it says, and those who worship Him, worship Him in spirit and in truth. So God being a spirit, uh, we understand that, that we can't see Him with our natural eye. But what are the, some of the other aspects of who God is? To me, God represents the soul a lot because from God, we see him with the ability to mother people. And, and the Bible talks about him being that place where he can mother, even though he's, he's in that masculine uh, figure or in that masculine pr- um, context, he, he has those uh, abilities to love, just like he's given to women the ability to mother and nurture and love. That's part of God's personality, his character. He's, he's called, uh, his whole total essence is, love. His greatest part of who he is is love. Um, He has care. He feels. You know, he he, he is moved with compassion. So we see the element really of the soul in the person of who God is. Then we have Jesus, the Son, God in flesh, all human, representing all the emotions that we have. And then we have the Holy Spirit, which is God's Spirit, being revealing God's will to us, helping us do our, our part, helping us use the gifts that God's given us. So we see uh, the, the image of God being played out in the Godhead and now played out in Jesus and now being played out in us. We have a spirit, we have a soul, and they live right now in this temporary residence in this human body. So a lot of times, you know, coming to Christ, we focus on the spirit. I'm always telling you, get strong in spirit. But, but we have that other element, the soul, that other uh, part of us that is so 
a part of who, our, who we are in our own unique personality. And we're all so different. And yet, it's a major part of what we take into the world every day. We, we relate to people. We laugh. We have joy. We can have moods. All part of our soul. All, all part of, of who we really are. And as we come to Christ and he begins to do this transformation, sometimes we're scared. God, you're changing me. Sometimes we're afraid of, of what we're losing. Well, wow, God, you're in this process of restoring me. Um, you're in this process of change and transformation, and, and I don't even quite understand who, who I'm going to end up being because so many things are changing. I, I've let go of so many different habits and patterns. Who am I going to be? And sometimes there's a fear of following God, like I'm going to ver- lose my very personality. I remember my, my wife used to tell me when we first got together that before Christ, she had such a personality. She was she was all interactive and happy and just really out there. And, and then when she came to Christ, it's almost like she said she didn't even talk for a few years. And she thought like, wow, what happened to me? What are you doing, God? It got kind of scary because God was doing this process of, of transformation and restoration. The spirit and soul, there's a work going on in Romans 8.29. God knew his people in advance. And he chose them to become like his son. So don't be afraid. Don't get scared if you're, you're kind of not knowing what God's doing right now. But just keep submitting to him. Keep asking God, Lord, let my true personality, let who I really am come out. I really believe you're, if you feel like you've gone into this time where it seems like your, your personality has died or your emotions have died, God's going to resurrect them. Sometimes we avoid emotion because they're connected with pain or trauma in our past. And we do that to protect ourselves from people and from situations that are very insecure and very fa- very um, uh, overwhelming. But God is going to take you back in. He's going to trigger things in your soul. He's going to trigger your past. Why? He wants to bring healing to it. And so unless he can deal with it, unless he can uh, deal with the damage done to it, you cannot be that full, alive person that he, that he wants you to be. In Psalms 19.7, I love it. It says, The law of the Lord, which is the word of God, is perfect restoring the whole person. I want to be whole, don't you? I, I think of the things that um, even this week that God was showing me about myself, places where I, I haven't had trust because of things that happened to me when I was a kid, where I am reserved, where I, I keep a, a tight rein on my heart, you know, and how it's affected even my relationship with my wife. I really let God have that again this week, and I felt like I moved into this place of trust that I haven't moved into in a long time. Why? Because I'm at this place finally where I can trust God to open up and trust that he's going to protect me, that if hurts come or or uh, I don't know how to uh, be open in a certain way, I don't know how to come out of disconnection, that somehow God is going to give me grace to um, like restore that area. And I won't have to be self-conscious anymore. I won't have to be defensive. I won't have to be disconnected. So many people in our society today are disconnected. Why? They've had incredible things happen to them. There's incredible things happening to us in our world. We're hearing news now around all the world. The knowledge of good and evil is overwhelming to our soul. And so we find ourselves pulling back. We find ourselves attaching fear to every negative piece of news. And it's causing us to go into a bondage. It's, It's taking away our joy. It's taking away our confidence in who God is and what he's trying to do in our life. And so that's what he wants to work out and change. Again, remember you're in process. Feelings you have today, places of being shut down today, can change in a moment. They can change in a day because God is working. But we must allow the Holy Spirit and um, 
to do that work in our soul. Ephesians 4.24, put on the new nature created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Keep putting it on. Keep practicing. Keep being real. Keep talking to God about those things you see. Our key verse today, 1 Thessalonians 5.23. And Paul, he's writing to the Christians just as well as he's writing to the church in Thessalonica. May the God of peace himself sanctify you through and through. Man, that's talking about a whole, whole work, huh? And separate you from profane things. Make you pure and holy, consecrated to God. And may your spirit, soul, and body be preserved sound and complete and found blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, he wants to do that complete work. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved. May it be. And it's just there where, like, it's up to us to keep making those choices that we're going to feel feelings. We're going to look at, at things that have hurt us. We're not going to run. We're going to deal with everything the Holy Spirit wants to deal with in our life, knowing that He is going to set us free. In 3 John 1, 2, John writes this, John the Apostle, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in every way and that your body may be kept well, even as I know your soul keeps well and prospers. Again, that, that whole connection of health and prosperity is all dependent on how my soul's doing. How is my mind, will, and emotions doing? How are my emotions doing? Maybe you can take a little inventory this week and, and check out where your feelings are. You know, sometimes in environments that we're in, surroundings, maybe at work, home, families, we get shut down. We feel like we, we're not allowed to be who we are. Why? People are either threatened by our personality or they're, or they're threatened by our emotions and maybe how we respond. And so we just go into our relationships and we shut down. We may even put on masks and act a certain way, giving people what they think they want because we don't know if they can really handle who we really are. Sometimes in our relationships in our homes, our marriages, we present a certain thing because we're afraid of intimacy. We're, we're afraid of really changing. But God wants to set us free. We're supposed to have free emotions. And sometimes even in our close relationships, we have to give ourselves permission to act up a little bit. And sometimes we have to kind of get it out, be a little ugly, so that we can really see what God wants to change. Sometimes in our relationships, we've gone there a few times and, and hasn't been acceptable, or sometimes so much anger comes out, we don't go there anymore, or we don't let the people go there anymore because we're afraid of the anger. We're afraid of what's going to come out. I want to encourage you, get in touch with anger. Get in touch with disappointment. Get in touch with fear. Get in touch with all those things that keep you from being free. God is big enough to handle our emotions. He cares about us. I want to read uh, 3 John 1, 2 out of the NIV. Dear friends, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. God cares about our soul. And I think even where it seems like right now where things are so crazy in our society, I really believe that for the Christians, that God wants to give us such a peace and such a freedom in our soul that we are not going to be affected by all the negative news that's constantly bombarding us. It is not possible for a Christian to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. Again, that consciousness, as you're growing spiritually, as you're learning the Word of God, that you deal with everything that's coming up in your emotions. The Spirit must be in integrated with every aspect of the soul. I'm not suggesting we deny emotion, 
but that we do not let emotions control us. We must learn to be spirit-led. I think it's interesting, even the disciples that Jesus, you know, dealt with after he was betrayed, he interacted with them. I'm sure there was a lot of restoring in Peter's soul. All the emotions he felt, he was so strong in God. He had used the gifts that God had given him as he had gone and preached the gospel, probably even done healings and stuff. But when he did the very thing he knew he couldn't do because he had walked so strong with Jesus when he betrayed Jesus, can you imagine the feelings he had to deal with? Imagine he, him wanting to throw away all his spirituality, all the things he had learned from Jesus, everything he had been taught. Why? Because he had betrayed Jesus. He had to deal with real emotions. He had to, he had to deal with real personality um, difficulties and uh, uh, character weaknesses that came up because he betrayed Jesus. Here's a few indicators that might uh, indicate you need some work. I know most of them touched me. You can be a dynamic, gifted speaker for God in public and be an unloving spouse and parent at home. You know, there's times where I haven't been caring for my wife like I should, been overwhelmed with so many other things. You can function as a church board member or pastor and be unteachable, insecure, and defensive. You can memorize entire books of the New Testament and still be unaware of your depression, anger, and even displacing it on other people. How often, you know, when we have unresolved emotions or when someone begins to talk truth to us, we get defensive and we look at their issues that we can see. Everyone's issues are really clear. If you're in any kind of relationship, you can see the other person's weaknesses. And so when then they begin to share with you what they're seeing about you, it's really because they care about you, they love you, and it's really the Holy Spirit trying to give you insight into what he wants to change. But when we deflect, we actually stop relationship. We stop the relationship coming from the other person, and we stop our growth emotionally because we're in denial. You can fast and pray a half a day a week for years as a spiritual discipline and constantly be critical of others, justifying it as discernment. Anytime something comes up and we have judgment on people, those are places that God wants to set us free because we're supposed to have love for people. You can lead hundreds of people in a Christian ministry while, dr while driven by a deep personal need to compensate for a nagging sense of failure. You can pray for deliverance from the demonic realm when in reality you are simply avoiding conflict, repeating an unhealthy pattern of behavior trace back to the home in which you grew up. I just want to say I'm sorry that so many, so often when we, the way we grow up, we're hurt in ways that we carry through our whole life. But I want to encourage you, this is the time God wants to heal you and me. You can be outwardly cooperative at the church, but unconsciously try to undercut or defeat your supervisor by coming habitually late, constantly constantly forgetting meetings, withdrawing and becoming apathetic, or ignoring the real issue behind why you are hurt and angry. I tell you, the Holy Spirit, He's big enough, God's big enough to deal with your anger, your hurt, your walls, 
your rebellion, your resistance. It's time we let God change us. First Peter 1, 3 through 9. I'm having to wear cheaters now, so I'm getting used to them. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I tell you, God raised Jesus from the dead so our soul could be restored. That's why we're not rushed off to heaven. That's why when we accept Jesus, we're not just rushed off to heaven because the work of restoring our personality and who we were meant to be is a, is a work that takes a lot of time. To inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away. Like those things that we try to fill our soul with here to give us a little bit of joy, to give us a little bit of peace right now. We have an inheritance that's incorruptible and it's ongoing right now as we're being transformed and changed. Our soul is being renewed. Joy is coming into us. And so we're, we're getting part of our eternal inheritance now. And that's being able to not have to have some outside stimuli make us whole, but allowing Jesus to restore our soul. We are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. I think of, uh, as I was looking at my walls and stuff this week, I was thinking like, wow, here I am, 62 years old. Some of these things I've been carrying my whole life. Some of those things that shut me down and, and had me act a certain way or um, guard my heart. I'm missing out. I've missed out on relationships. I've missed out on some of the relationship with my kids in their early days because they did all the right things, but I was shut down inside. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, it need be, you have been grieved by various trials. God uses trials. God uses trials to start triggering and bringing up what's buried in our soul. He wants to bring it to the light. And sometimes we, we go through seasons where so good, things are so good. God, is, we feel good in God. Maybe everything work is good. And then we go into the season where God starts bringing things up. And we think, where are you? Why are you doing this to me? Why is this happening to me? Or we go through rejection or loss or grief or death or someone leaves us, or our best friend forgets us, and we wonder why God's working. I don't totally understand for each one of us what he's doing, but only as you press in, all, only as you cry out to God. God is, all the way through the Bible, God talks about pouring out our heart, pouring out our emotions, crying, taking the trash out, that as we do that, there's great healing that happens. Grief may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. What does that mean? It means that we've got real with ourselves. We've got real with those things that have hurt us. We've got real with those disappointments in life, the dreams that have been broken, the, the, the abandonment of things happen. Sometimes we have dreams with people, and we have vision where we're going to go, and they die. Something, something changes. People move. And we wonder, what happens? God, I thought you put this in my heart. I thought you were behind this. Life is full of disappointments and challenges and upsets, but God wants to heal our soul do whatever we go through. So we're grieved by different trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tested by fire, may be found to the praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And I believe that it's not just when he comes back or when we die, 
I believe that when we get through things where we are dealing with real issues and who we are, that Jesus is revealed. That there's a lightness that comes, that there's a freedom because we've overcome something and our soul is growing to another place. And that revelation of Jesus Christ, all is well again with our soul. And there's great joy. And yeah, we may have gone through hard times, but only deep in our spirit, only deep in our relationship with God, are, are, are we being able to thank God for the fiery trial? Are we, are we able to thank God for the most horrendous things that happen to us in our lives that Satan would use to destroy our life and God redeems and heals it and becomes something that we, we come to know who God really is? Verse 8, whom having not seen you love. That is crazy. We've never seen Jesus. What is this going on in our heart that we keep giving up our life, that we give up our Sunday mornings to come and hear someone talk to you about Jesus? What is that? We've never seen him, and yet something in our heart is so big. We love God in such a way. He penetrates everything that would draw us away. He keeps drawing us when our soul says, I don't want to follow you anymore. It's too hard. And yet we keep doing it. Though now, you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy, inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your soul. Yeah, I'm saved right now. Hit me with that truck. I'm going to heaven. But my soul is not saved yet. My soul is in a lot of pain. My soul is in a lot of conflict. My soul is a world of its own affected by this world, affected by what's advertised to me, what I'm told I need to buy, the kind of car I need to, to drive, the kind of clothes I need to wear. Constantly things are changing. My soul is bombarded, but my soul is crying out to be healed. My soul is crying out to know Jesus more. And the more we allow ourselves to come into God, the more we allow ourselves and give ourselves to prayer, the more we allow the Word of God in our lives, the more we allow interaction with other Christian brothers that we might be changed the more our soul gets what it really needs, relationship. It's really all about relationship. God said he'd supply all of our need. It's about being restored as a human being and being able to have relationship. E, you, I guess you guys could come up. The separation of our soul from our spirit, that verse that's very common, Hebrews 4.12, the word that God speaks is alive and full of power. I mean, just that word that God spoke to me after being frustrated for a few days, and he told me I'm not in control, <laughs> that he's God. Put me in my place. It just took a moment. The word that God speaks is alive and full of power. Make it active, operative, and energizing, effective. It is sharper than a two-edged sword, penetrating the dividing line of breath, of life, of soul and the immortal spirit and of the joints and marrow and of the deepest parts of our nature exposing and sifting and analyzing and judging the very thoughts and purposes of our heart and you know if you take an inventory of your life if you examine and just take some time and see where your feelings at and if you don't have any feelings finding out and asking whether we are disconnected you could write a few things down, but the fact that you bring it to God, watch how the Holy Spirit begins to bring healing to you. We can't even do that. But the fact we look at ourselves and, and submit it to God, God's going to start healing. The division of soul and spirit is not to leave the soul apart from the spirit to die, but to continually be transformed and changed. Will you stand with me?
Maybe some of you are feeling some pain today and you want some personal prayer. The altars are open and people can pray for you and with you. Lord, we just come to you today and Lord, we're asking in these closing moments of this service that you would move by your Holy Spirit, that you would help each of us in this process, Lord, of being uh, healed and restored in our soul. That as we grow and mature emotionally, God, that we would be able to understand this, this complex person that you've made. It says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. God, let us grow let us grow in our emotions. Let us get in connection with those feelings, Lord, that we might be restored, that we might enjoy how our soul is supposed to be because you're in our life. God, whatever people need today, we ask that you would do it in Jesus' name.